しても Hello, everyone, and this is your always tactful host, Pendy. And this is Paul, also known as East X Twitch. Hey, East X, are you ready to shop until you drop? Not really. Why? Well, our episode today covers shopping and hanging out at the beach. But it's December, and we spend all our money on presents for loved ones and gems for tact. Unlike Dai, we don't have a wealthy princess benefactor. No worries! We'll use all our Patreon money. But we don't use Patreon. You're always complaining about it. And we have that thing we say at the end where... Oh, oh, I know. We can convert our gold coins from tax into real money. That's that's not how it works. Mm, how about uh, insider trading on the company that makes tax? That's not legal. Plus, you already missed your chance on that one. Oh, hmm. Ooh, ooh. Maybe uh, start a lucrative career as K-pop band members. There are several things wrong with that scenario. Aha! We could cosplay as beach goddess Jessica and summer angel Seraphie. Tempting, but this holiday season and the last few years have not been generous to my usually glorious figure. Oh, don't be shy. Watch. I even have the moves down. Stupid sexy beast! What are you... Sexy snipe. Ow, my eyes. You're flying too close to the sun, Kid Icarus. Anyway, while Pindy inadvisably works on his moves. Ooh, coconut milk. I'll go ahead and welcome our audience to Tactfully Die, a Slime Time podcast spinoff that covers just about everything in the world of Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Die, and the Dragon Quest Tact mobile game. That's right. We'll talk about the latest and greatest with Dragon Quest Tact first. Good. Nobody can stop me from talking some tact. You know, first, I'm going to congratulate you for founding a fourth Aces Guild, DQT Aces 4. But we didn't start a fourth guild. What? Uh, what wait, what, what's that all about? Yeah, so this Aces 4 popped up and somebody noticed that it had these high-level players in it. And so, yeah. People are messing with us. What? Who do you think did it, though? I bet it was Big Dracky Squad. Those jerks. I knew they couldn't be trusted. If I ever get in the ring with them, I'll... Cool your jets there, Hulkster. It actually wasn't them. But, oddly enough, Big Dracky Squad did change their name to Big Drac T Squad. Oh, how posh of them. Maybe I have them all wrong. Who do you think it was? So as I understand it, it's the AW Guild, which is one of the very top guilds. And I think they... Changed their name this month and last month, but this time it, it's to mess with us. They're just messing with us, the big bullies. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, you know, speaking of guild rivalries, we had an interesting week with the most recent guild arena tournament. We sure did. We were so close to qualifying for the top tournament tier this go-round, but someone decided to Leroy Jenkins their way to a loss for us. Yeah, and it was the top Korean team, too, from what I hear. And to them, I say, fighting, GG. You kiss your mother with that mouth? This is a family show. <laughs> no, I, I basically cheered them on and said, good game. I'll take your word for it, I guess. Babo. What was that? No, nothing, nothing, nothing. Anyway, we ended up placing second in the Platinum League, which is pretty good. We did. Two of the top guilds in the game faced off in the qualifiers, 
So the loser of that match got stuck with us, or actually we we got stuck with them. So we had no chance with that one, but that's okay. We'll continue to improve. Yeah, it was annoying being pitted against them, but what can you do? (laughs) So anyway, how'd you do in the regular arena? You know, uh, the week before I did pretty well, uh, but I did struggle with the recent A-rank arena. I made some poor choices in the beginning with my lineups and who I chose to use and had some rough matches. No losses, but I did have a match or two that came down to like one character being left. How about you? I also struggle with the A-rank arena requirements or restrictions, which I think is true for a lot of people. And it's not that I don't have that many A-ranks taken up to the highest rank. I've got a decent number, but I'm just no good at putting together a a strong A-rank team. Like for, for a normal say 240 weight team that can use s ranks you know i've got my sorrow cgm and whatever and i feel like that team's going to do pretty well against most opponents but yeah for the a rank one i i threw in the units that i thought were pretty good but they weren't always pretty good and i actually lost a match which you know made me feel quite dirty oh <laughs> but that's okay you know it's, it's not like there was a big prize on the line or anything no, so no. not a huge deal So that was the turn-based arena, but where'd you end up with in your real-time matches, or RTM, as we'll sometimes say? I had to quit. Like, completely quit. My old iPhone 8 has now gotten to the point where the game will crash during a majority of my RTMs, even with the simplified graphics on. I I had to settle for Runk Master 4. Uh, look, I know you get names wrong all the time. Don't you mean rank? No, 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 no. Runk. I can come inform to you that that's what that was. Oh, don't make me come over there. We're kidding around, of course. We're referencing the very weird error we all recently got for the new season of RTM. Yeah, so everyone was given a starting rank based on how they did last season with the curious on-screen message of participation runk common formed it hurts me just to have to say that and you know back to the matches i I said i had to quit but you know help is on the way i just ordered a refurbished 256 gigabyte iphone 11 pro it should be here any day now so how did you do in rtm well i did better than somebody with a hundred year old phone (laughs) so actually in the season that just ended i topped out at master three i believe Mm -hmm. and uh so i was having a lot of fun you know you, you run up against the whales on your way up here and there, but it's not too discouraging because not everybody's a whale. But starting around Master 4, it seemed to be mostly whales who were still in the mix. So and I also had a little bit less time during the, you know, the times that the real time matches were open. Mm-hmm. So it's like one day I spent about two hours, you know, like I had a good window of time and I won maybe two matches and lost a bunch because it was just super whales, you know? Yeah. And that is pretty discouraging. Like it's hard to keep on doing something when you're not having very much fun with it and you're just running up against people who have more money than you and kick you, you know? Yeah. So that's the downside to it. Like it's fun for me when I have a fighting chance. I just wish the matchmaking was better and also that it didn't so heavily favor people who have more more money but it does yeah and and that's going to be inevitable at the the top the very top ranks and i'm okay with that because there's so many it's tiered out pretty far uh you know stretched out pretty far so i like how they they have so many different tiers and ranks that like you can get still get pretty far and get some pretty good rewards and I almost forgot, I did like the new updates that they're going to do for future RTM matches where instead of two-hour blocks, it's going to be like three-hour blocks. And like when you get in that situation where like you've got one character left and they're confused and you know you're going to lose and you're just sitting there while you're waiting for the enemy to kill you, you can quit. 
while you're you know sitting there with a status effect that's not going to go away. So that's good too. So it'll make it a lot quicker. That was like the most annoying thing. It's like, okay, I, I can't move any of my characters. I know I'm going to lose, but now I got to sit here for two minutes while this other person slowly kills me. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, every now and then I'd have the advantage on somebody, you know, I'd have their guy paralyzed or confused mm-hmm. or whatever. And I would just like goof around instead of finishing them <laughs> off. Oh my God. I did that to a defense team once where I was just frustrated and mad that I couldn't get this defense team. So I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to run around the board and see if they're going to chase me down for the entire time. And they did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to waste your time. I'm going to waste everybody's time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've got to be more patient because when when they want to just hold back and they don't want to make a move and then you make a move and you inevitably lose just because of making that move towards mm-hmm. them, you know, you, perhaps it is better to to just hold back or or just keep at a huge distance like that yeah yeah but you know we keep talking about the guild in the arena battles but we haven't addressed the most important aspect of dq tact yet and what would you say that is beach time fun baby let's all catch some rays uh, in december hey i'm in texas i always get to catch some rays however you make a fair point we are just now getting the beach time event that took place last summer in the japanese version of the game always playing catch up but now we get to worship beach goddess jessica and summer angel seraphy in all their glory sadly I haven't been able to pull either one of them yet. Uh, Jessica can be a very effective charm unit, but I'm going to save my gems for some later units, I think, down the road. Uh, especially with all the gems I've been I've been spending on, like, Erdrick and people like that in Zenlon. So were you able to pull either one of them? Good question. So with Seraphie, I did not get her on the paid pull or with my, you know, free tickets. Didn't even get the A rank, so that one was... Mm. Just a complete bust for me. But I'm not investing any further in it because this particular Seraphie is isn't apparently the very top tier. No. Yeah. But with Jessica, I did get her from the paid pool, which is pretty cool. Nice. And then yeah, and then I thought, okay, well, people say she is a top tier unit. So I'll go ahead and do some more pulls to try to get a heart on her, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that, and now I'm up to 13 pulls without her, with, without getting her. So, yeah, I'm just two away from getting the pity. And, uh. like, I'm glad I can at least get the pity, but also that's pretty shabby, especially, I mean, like, I watch other people in our guild, you know, I watch my, my partner, and they just have so much better luck than me. Like, it's pretty regular that i get shafted whenever i actually try to go after a unit like that so what a nuisance don't don't we have a guild member that we always joke that they ruin all the luck for everybody else or they take (laughs) all the luck or something yeah it's the last dawn that the last dawn that's who it is yeah it's a kind of running joke with that like that yeah although he doesn't you know like his personal way of doing things is that he apparently does not pursue the regular banners like he saves money for the special banners and just goes relentlessly on them oh that makes sense yeah it's not a bad strategy yeah financially it's really not bad but like you know i just i want to be able to keep up with everybody so for a unit like beach jessica yeah i'll i'll try to get her because i'm already a disadvantage or was it a disadvantage because like i didn't get uh I was missing all the big dragons, you know, like I, I got one Zenlon, but couldn't get any hearts, you know, and I'm missing all the other dragons. Although from the recent special banner, I did get get the two of them, Barbarous and the other one. Oh, yeah. So Barbarous still... and, and um, oh, my God, I'm liking his name. And I got like three hearts on, on him now, too, because I got some extra hearts. But yeah, the other guy from the other dragon from nine. Yeah. And, and 
see that's what i'm talking about though you guys have such good luck with that i got one of each like no hearts for me so like i've got all the important dragons with zero hearts so like they're still not competitive but hey at least i've got them but like yeah i want to have the important units so it's really hard for me to sit out for too long like yeah i'll sit out some but like the longer i sit out just the more at a disadvantage i feel in the competitive stuff i I wish i didn't care about the competitive stuff no yeah i I understand those are the breaks yep yep so you know we briefly joked about this next topic in our intro but uh Insider training really did happen with Tact. That's right. The co-creator of Sonic, Yuji Naka, among others, was recently arrested for insider trading. As a then Square Enix employee, because this took place back when he was working on Balan Wonderland or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. Yuji Naka caught wind of Tact coming out. It was not out yet. And he bought 10,000 shares for Aiming, the actual developer of the game. Which, by the way, you never see the name Aiming in the game, do you? No, I, I don't think I have. Yeah, so that was news to all of us. But yeah, Square Enix, they like to keep that kind of stuff secret for some reason. But anyway, he bought 10,000 shares. He spent 2.8 million yen, which is about 20,000 USD. Yeah. And then there were some other employees and like, well, there's this one other guy and his acquaintance that went in on 162,000 shares for set 47.2 million yen, which is about 350,000 USD. Like they went in big. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sad about the news because I admire Yuji Naka. You know, I like Sonic. And uh, even though not all of Naka's games have been good and he hasn't even done that many games lately. But still, you know, I just can't help thinking of him as the father or godfather of Sonic. Mm -hmm. But anyway, let that be a lesson to all of you kids. Crime doesn't pay when it comes to Dragon Quest. Got to go fast. Not this time. Gotta go to jail. Oh, my heart. Now then, (laughs) before we get into the die portion of the show, it's time for the tact tip of the day. Tip of the day. Did you know that Airdrick's cocklang ability can take away negative status effects? That's right, tacticians. Not only does it make your teammate invulnerable to any attack for one turn, it takes away any status effects your teammate might have as well. That's super useful against all those status-changing attacks we see these days, especially in the arena. Also, it will make your opponents angry at you. That's for sure. And that's amazing! That was our tact tip of the day. Tip of the day! Now let's get into some Dai. Every week, we're going to review two episodes from the newest Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Dai, anime. We will also cover other news related to Dai that could range anywhere from the recent dub to the upcoming console game to any merchandise we collect or see news about. It's true. We are dying to find more merch to hoard. I mean, discuss on the podcast. First, we'll start off with episode 21, Mom's Decision. We learn in this episode about Mom's future plans and get introduced to some new characters and concepts from the Dark Army. In the beginning of this episode, we learn that Mom's magic bullet gun is broken beyond repair. Dang it. Poor Bada can't even fix it. And I assume he can usually fix anything. And I really like that weapon. I I was honestly sad to see it go. Ditto. But the story treats the gun like it was a crutch, which is a shame. Next, we see that Leona is able to cast full heal on the sage sister Marin, healing the nasty wounds to her face that Flazard had inflicted upon her. Mom seems disturbed for some reason and rushes to find her uncle (laughs) Madariv. 
That's right, Madarif. This is where we get to see Pop do some training with Madarif as they spar with each other. And Dai is trying out some meditation training that Madarif is forcing him to do. It's also very amusing as he's uh, posed upside down with a curious Gomechan resting upon his feet. Yeah, I like that. And here we're introduced to the concept of Levizoom. Pop and Madarif can use this altered form of zoom to fly around as they please, Dragon Ball Z style. Or at least Madarif can. Pop is uh, still getting the hang of it, so Madarif is able to give him a quick Levizoom headbutt. You know, I like how the serious training music also uh, subsides here comically as Pop falls into the water as he fails. It is a fun moment. Dai asks Madarif to teach him more advanced magic, but Madarif explains to Dai that a hero's greatest power is the courage to face the enemy. It's like he inspires the other people on his team. Mm-hmm. Pop's role is more suited for advanced magic spells, and that's it. Each person has their specialized role in the party. Mom overhears all of this and realizes she needs to find her own role in the party. Mm. Before she can act, Madarif tries to sneak up and grab her in a pervy way. But Mom gives him a swift elbow before he can do anything. In the original, he does get a hold of her and gets beaten up for it. Here, I actually like how they changed it around. Uh, you know, after getting hit, he whimpers that he hadn't actually done anything wrong. And then Mom tells him, your mere presence oozes salaciousness. I could see it. I could see it coming. I think it made for I think it made the moment a lot more amusing doing it that way. And in the dub, the line is just your presence is bad enough, which is just a stinging. Shortly thereafter, Madariv remarks that mom has her father's strength. And this gives mom an idea of what to do next. Then during a meeting held to figure out what should be done next about the Dark Army, Mom declares that she will return to Romos to train as a martial artist. Basically, a Dragon Quest class change. Impressive. Leona and Mom also have an interesting exchange of words on being a future burden, as in Leona doesn't want Mom to become a burden to die. Mm-hmm. And they have an upfront and very straightforward conversation that, amusingly, is a little too much for Dai and Gomechan. In the old anime, they even stretch out the moment more to make it more intense. You're not quite sure if the two ladies are going to fight it out with each other, but it turns out to be mutual respect towards one another instead. How nice. We then cut to Sovereign Rock Castle, where Hadlar is voicing his upset over the bad guy's recent losses. In the midst of this dialogue, a mysterious figure appears, playing a reaper flute. It's Dark King Vern's assassin, Kilvern, and his trusty assistant, Piroro. Another Vern? Hey, Vern! How many <laughs> Verns are there now? There's Miss Vern, Kill Vern, Dark King Vern. <laughs> if any of you have ever seen the earnest movies and shows, you know what I'm talking about. Hey, Vern! But, but seriously, maybe there are different meanings behind all three of them? We'll find out eventually. Man, we should do a podcast about the earnest movies instead. <laughs> anyway, Kill Vern and Piroro chide Hadlar for his recent failures. They really dig it in. Hadlar starts to declare that he'll personally take care of Dai. But then Dragon Master General Baron steps in. Baron insists that he fight Dai instead of Hadlar, and he won't hear no for an answer. He has figured out that Dai is most likely a Dragon Knight, and he wants to see it for himself. Kilvern then produces a key that will move Sovereign Rock Castle from its current location. That's right, it's mobile. You see, two of their former commanders, Crocodile and Hyunkel, know the location of the castle, so a change in scenery is in order. Next, we see Leona, Dai, and Pop see Mom off as she starts to leave for Romos. Once Leona figures out that Pop is really upset that Mom is leaving, Leona prods him to go tell 
mom how he really feels. Not only is she encouraging Pop to help him out, but she is also thoroughly enjoying the drama around it. And Dai and Komei-chan's concerned reaction to how much she enjoys this meddling with their love life is very amusing. Indeed. Dai frets over things, but Leona is right, if you ask me. Anyway, Pop and Mom say their goodbyes to each other, but Pop wimps out and decides he's not quite ready to tell her how he feels. He wants to get stronger and mature more as a person before he takes the next step. It's basically an excuse to stretch the drama out rather than resolving things now. <laughs> but I don't I don't blame him. So, you know, mom does point out all of uh, Pop's recent character growth that he's had ever since they met each other. It's very, very interesting. He's grown up a lot since we've met him with Yvonne, that's for sure. Yeah, he really has. And that's something we've remarked ever since we started doing the podcast is how Pop experiences an enjoyable level of character growth. Mm hmm. And it's nice to see that that mom has noticed and appreciates that, you know, at this point in the show, we don't know whether she's going to actually reciprocate his fondness. In fact, I don't even know because I haven't watched as far as you have. But like, it seems unlikely to me that she will. But still, you know, it's just cool that she can appreciate that he is working on himself. That's cool. No, I agree. And yeah, I, I'm interested to uh, to revisit where it goes next. I'll say that. I won't say <laughs> anything more. <laughs> so next we see that Crocodile and Hyunkle have gotten to Southern Rock Castle too late, as it has already moved away at this point. Crocodile heads back to warn the others, and Hyunkle decides to track down the castle to see where it went. Before the episode ends, we see the castle in almost its full mobile form take out a ship, an innocent ship, as it heads towards the northern land of the Field of Death. So... What did I think of the episode? Well, you know, this is a kind of a place setting episode where the previous arc has been resolved. And so now the characters are moving into new places, sort of like moving your chess pieces around. You know, it gives mom a, a chess journey. pieces, you say. No, what? <laughs> Sorry. That's right. Chest pieces. Grab, grab. No, that's Monterey. But <laughs> yeah, no, we mom has something to do, although it's going to take her away for a while. But at least. She, you know, she has a purpose and the bad guys have their plan. And, you know, we're like, we're wondering, OK, well, where are they going with this and how bad is Kilvern going to be? So it's not a big action episode, but, it, you know, it's still fun stuff. And it's nice to see the story move in this direction. Yeah. And, you know, I thought it was an interesting episode overall. Uh, you know, I like the concept of mom going through a Dragon Quest class change. I love that. And it has this great, these great character moments between mom and pop. And it nicely sets up future conflict with the castle, Kilvern and Braun. So I'm looking forward to all of that. Right on. Now it's time for shopping. Yes, that's right. It's episode 22. Off to the department store. In this episode, Dai, Leona, and Pop head off to a department store, like I just said, to get Dai some upgraded equipment. The fun doesn't last forever, though, as a mysterious evil force approaches the town. We start the episode with the three sages of Popnika arguing with each other about who is going to be able to join Dai's party. Princess Leona tells them that they have a duty to protect Popnika and that she should be the one that joins Dai. And Bodak sees right through her to her real intentions. Of course. Then Dai tells Leona that he needs a new weapon. And then, in an unexpected twist, Leona suggests Bengarna, which has a department store? Do you remember any department stores in the Dragon Quest games? I sure don't. What, you don't remember, like, uh, uh, I don't know, J.C. Drackey's Blooming Slimes or, or even Platy's Discount Emporium? Friggin' big Drackey squad. Oh, wait. What? No, that was ringing a bell. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
the line of stores. You know, Dragon Quest is full of mechanical monsters, but it, it's still so odd to see things like an elevator in a mostly medieval setting. I feel like I'm in a Monty Python episode or something. Well, it certainly leads to some fun moments. Mm. Meanwhile, Moderave has figured out from Pop's description that Dai is most likely a Dragon Knight. Moderave keeps it to himself, though, and gives Pop an upgraded staff, cloak, and belt to take on the journey with Dai. I bet Pop gets quite a stat increase from those upgrades. Yeah, but yeah, probably a decrease in style points from that uh, Moderave-style belt. It is a bit goofy. Mm. We then get treated to an Alina-like escape as Princess Leona and Dai sneak off to the department store. Instead of breaking down a wall, though, Leona snoozes the guards so that she and Dai can take off in the royal hot air balloon. That's a handy spell to know, for sure. Pop secretly tags along, too, and he overhears Leona talking trash about him, poor dude. Pop pops up to confront Leona, but she's just simply annoyed that the trip is no longer a solo trip with Dai. Don't you hate it when a date gets ruined by a third wheel? This might be our first hint that Leona could actually reciprocate Dai's feelings for her. You know, and on this trip, Leona gets to, you know, let her hair down a little and not have to worry about the responsibilities of her kingdom. Dai picks up on this and he's very happy for her. That's sweet of him. We also find out that Leona has a lead foot when it comes to driving wagons. I'd forgotten about her racing the wagon towards the store like she does. <laughs> she she drives like I do, a woman after my own heart. We, as the team enters the department store, we get to see how it resembles a modern day department store mixed with medieval elements. Yeah, like the outer walls are like a castle, but inside there are modern store signs. Very fancy. There's an elevator, but you have to step on a stone switch to make it go. Not unlike something we do in the actual Dragon Quest games. You don't say. You know, in any way, at the bottom floor of the department store, it's full of grocery items. They even sell little blue slime buns like they do in Japan. It's a fun reference. And mini metals, a type of collectible found in the Dragon Quest games, make an appearance here. Pop finds one in his food, which wins him an unknown prize. We never get to see it. Yeah, I know. It's like, hey, you found the mini metal. And then they just cut off. They cut to like the next scene and they don't like show what he got. <laughs> oh, well. Maybe he just has to find maybe he has to find more mini metals. Like you found the first one. Now here's the map of all the mini metals and what you can find. And it's the whole side quest thing that we'll just never see, I guess. Like in the games. Yeah. And, you know, they go to other parts of the store and they even have super high quality horse manure for sale which is a fun reference to its appearance in many of the other games. It's very shiny and gold here for some reason. Yeah, quite the horse manure of a different color, you might say. As Ernest would say, ew. <laughs> then we run into the show's first cursed item. A merchant offers Pop 500 gold for his belt, but poor Pop can't take it off. Yep, Pop is cursed to show off Moderate's face wherever he goes. Those are the breaks. We then witness what could be the most ridiculous piece of Dragon Quest equipment ever. The Blockhead Basher. Offense and defense all in one piece. It's even buy one, get one free. Quite a deal. It's quite something, all right. <laughs> Die then spies some full plate armor, but gets sticker shock from the price. Leona to the rescue, though. She gives the boys a huge budget to work with. She can afford it. She is able to sell items from Popnika for a hefty sum. Andy. Next, we get to see Leona try on a series of outfits with many references to the Dragon Quest games. Yeah, and I think the uh, first one she tries on is a variation of the Angel Leotard. Then comes a regular housemaid's dress, the outfit and hairstyle of the female merchant from Dragon Quest III. Then a Jester class outfit, and even the famous cat suit. Come on, it actually has pretty high defense. <laughs> well, Leona settles for a sage-like outfit in her own style, 
And poor Die puts on the full plate armor. And while looking for a weapon, the famous Dragon Bane makes an appearance, a weapon that is usually highly effective against dragons in the games. You know, I could be wrong, but I believe this is one of the items from the show for which they made a re- replica to auction off in Japan. They had some other fun replicas, too, such as uh, Mam's Mom's Magic Bullet Gun. <laughs> well... Yes, it was cool to see an item that we might recognize from the games in there, and they even make a big deal about it. That's neat. Also, it would be super cool to have, you know, like a a life-size mom's magic bullet gun for sure. Oh, my God. I was so jealous of that because I was like, oh, are they going to have like a whole bunch of them for sale? No, it was just like the one that you could win in the special auction. auction. So I was like, ah, oh, well, maybe someday. Yeah, I really don't understand why they're not currently producing such a thing. Like when you bring the show back. Uh, just make a mass produce a toy of it. Why not? Yeah. Oh, well. Well, well, well. Then we learned that the Dragon Bane will be put up for auction in the show, too, not just in real life. Yep. And before that can happen, though, two people who appear to be seers show up briefly. Perhaps they come more into play later on. That they do, almost immediately. The younger of the two is Merle. Is that how we say her name? I don't should have. I should have noticed how they say it in the dub. It's either Merle or... Merle or Merle yeah. seems like too much like hey Merle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could swear that it's not just Merle, even though that's how I always read it. I don't know. Oh God. Um, can we can we pause real quick? Yes. I can look it real quick. I was about to hear the English one, though. Yeah, you might want to do the English one because they they pronounce it like Merlu in the Japanese. Merla. 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 Okay, yeah, Yeah. that's that's easier to pronounce. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. The younger of the two is Merla, who might even be a future love interest. As she and her grandmother walk away, Merla gets an intense image that a great danger will be approaching them soon. But what kind of danger? Poison ivy? A stub toe? A parking ticket? None of those. It's dragons, of course. That's what they've been building up to or hinting at this whole time. And not just dragons, but an army of green dragons and a nasty hydra that not even the town's cannon fire can damage. Oh, man. Leona decides that the team should fight the dragons to give people time to evacuate, which Pop greatly appreciates. Yeah, he wasn't a big fan of her, but after she kind of took command and said, like, hey, we're going to save all these people, even though they hadn't been the nicest people to them, especially during the auction, he, like, got a lot of respect for her. So that was a nice little moment. True, she's growing on him. Yeah, and, you know, uh, and then at that point, Pop, decides that he's going to take on the green dragons and then Dai's going to take on the hydra and then leona stays back to lead the evacuation Dai's new armor proves to be too large and cumbersome for him so he strips most of all but a few pieces off Woo-hoo, probably, take it off <laughs> yeah baby he probably could have kept the helmet though <laughs> you know and then when pop uh, confronts the five green dragons that are running around he uses his his skills of running away to bait the dragons away from the townspeople he's experienced in the midst of the evacuation Merla the seer hangs back to help a woman and child who are trapped in the rubble. 
You know, it makes me wonder if maybe Merla was an inspiration for the Mina character from Dragon Quest IV. You know, the Dai manga started after three, but before four at first. But I wonder which came first, as Merla didn't come along until much later in the story. And the outfits are somewhat similar, too. And you've got the hot air balloon and all this other stuff. That's sim- that's uh, similar to four. I don't know, but it'd be cool if Merla had played an inspiration. As she tries to help the trapped woman, the Hydra appears and tries to kill them. Dai saves the day, however, with a well-placed wave slash. Right on. Dai's armor modifications now resemble half-plate armor with gauntlets and some funky wings on his head. And this is actually a nice piece of armor you can use in a Dragon Quest Tech, simply named Dai's Armor. Plus, the wings kind of look like the headpiece used in the art for DQ4's male hero. So maybe 4 had come out at this point. Who knows? I don't know, and I'm not finding out. We'll have to wait for the Dai versus Hydra confrontation in the next episode. Hell Hydra. <laughs> at any rate, because this episode ends here. We don't get to see it yet. Aw. So... I like the episode's world building and high degree of comedic character moments. There's so much fun with that. What'd you think overall? This is actually one of my favorite episodes in the entire run of the show. I love all the Dragon Quest references. Any show, any episode where it gets heavy on the Dragon Quest references like this one, I love it. And they have all the equipment, the items, the outfits, and even slime buns. It's great. Plus the odd mix of the medieval style with like a modern day department store was quite amusing. It was all very entertaining to me. I loved it. And it was also a nice breather to get some nice character moments in for Leona. I'm down with all that. Yeah, so there are not too many differences from the old anime in the new show here, I'm told. The latter half of episode 38 through the first half of 41 in the original show covers these two episodes of the new anime. Though, you know, we do miss out on a spectacular visual of Dai taking on a bad guy with a blockhead basher as they try and imagine how it might actually work. That's a shame. There are a few other changes here and there and some different references to Dragon Quest items and equipment, though. Probably the most notable one is Pop getting upset at Leona trying on a magic bikini in the old anime instead of getting upset at her trying on the angel leotard in the new show. I actually recognized the magic bikini, so that was a better reference than the angel thing in the new show for me. Gotcha, gotcha. And you know what? Before we leave you hanging in anticipation of our next episode, we do have an update about the dub. In addition to the Microsoft Store, the first 50 episodes of The Adventure of Die are available through Vudu as well. So let me tell you all about that. Yeah. Yeah. And they- that you have actually uh, you've gotten some of those. Yep. And I'm I'm still very excited about all this. So there's. There's 50 episodes divided across four seasons with quotes because mm. they're not really different seasons, but whatever. And uh, each of these four each of these four seasons costs $28 in HD or less in crap quality, if that's what you prefer. So it's expensive to buy all 50 episodes. That's $28 times four, which I bet is a bunch. But yes, I've bought the first three volumes already. I'll buy the fourth one when I get around to it. But I, I did want to just share some quick impressions of the dub because I've watched like four-ish episodes dubbed now. You know, like I watched these new ones dubbed and also the, the first couple. Cool. So yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot to appreciate about it. Firstly, they dub the intro and outro songs. And I mean, they're like, they're they're very faithful versions of those songs. Like this, the English singers sound so much like the Japanese singers, but you know, they're singing adapted lyrics. And yeah, and you don't you don't often see that in anime. Yeah, like that used to be a little bit more commonplace, but they don't do it too much anymore. And this may be one reason why they're selling the dub rather than just putting it on Crunchyroll, you know, because it costs money to to do stuff like that, to adapt yeah. the music as well. Mm-hmm. So 
that is neat. And I, I still just get a big kick out of hearing these songs in English. It actually makes me enjoy them more because like neither song is particularly impressive to me as a as a song for Dragon Quest. You know, like I like the more traditional music better. Mm-hmm. But hearing it in English, it adds a certain extra level of pleasure for me. So that part's cool. Nice. And yeah, most of the voices are quite good. You know, Die has is voiced by a lady, uh, but the the voice is good, you know, as you would expect for a, a young male character. That's what they do in, in cartoons and anime. Um, the Let's see. Baron has a really great voice. Uh, Kilvern has a really great voice. Pop's voice, I'm a little disappointed by. And it, it's not that the guy is a bad voice actor, but like he just doesn't have kind of the the wackiness and, and maybe like clumsiness that's inherent in Pop's Japanese voice. Oh, OK, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, so he sounds more serious even when he's not being as serious. Oh. <laughs> so it doesn't mean that he's bad, but it's just a case where like the actor didn't have that special something that the Japanese version truly did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway, still like it's just really cool hearing all these things in English, and the dub is very faithful. You know, it's like slight paraphrases to, compared to what the subtitles would say. And so for me, having already seen these episodes, it's like just I get to enjoy a new version of them. And I like that so much. And and I think more people like if this was to air on TV in America, I think that would really bring in a lot of new people. So it's a bit of a shame that that you have to pay for it because you already have to be a fan basically to enjoy this version rather than bringing in people who didn't know about it. And that's all I have to say about that. Nice. You know, and, you know, speaking of having to pay for it, I'm still hanging on for Hoopla, which is the free library app. So, but sadly, they're not there yet. Maybe they want to give it some time in stores before offering it for free there. Yeah, I, I, I suppose. It's just really weird that they announced all three were coming in at once. And that that hasn't happened at all. Like they not even Voodoo and Microsoft happened at the same time. It was Microsoft first and then like a random two or three weeks later it was, it was Voodoo. And then hopefully Hoopla will will follow as as well soon. Yeah, there were definitely some kinks. But as far as Hulu goes, maybe they realize that nobody knows what Hoopla is. Even the people who are licensing out to the show don't seem to know what it is. <laughs> well, I hope it still gets to Hoopla soon, and hopefully we'll have some fun Infinity Strash news from the Jump Festa in a couple of weeks as well, where they're going to do some Dragon Quest announcements and dies on the logo for the fest, the, the Jump Festa. So I'm sure there'll be something that they'll, they'll, uh, they'll announce with the game or maybe a new trailer. Something. We'll see. Well, then we can always hope. And on that note, that's all for this episode of Slime Time Tactfully Die. If you want to prepare for the next episode, be sure to watch episodes 23 and 24 of The Adventure of Die on Crunchyroll or on Voodoo and Microsoft. Why not? We don't use Patreon. If you do have any money that is just completely strashing in your wallet pouch, bottomless bag, treasure chest, pot barrel safe, or even searchable wall sack, though, and you would like to donate anything to a website that's been supporting Dragon Quest fans for over 20 years, stop by the Dragon's Den at www.woodis.com den and click on support this site. Woodis has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den DQ fan site for decades. He personally edits every YouTube version of our podcast, and he fully appreciates any donations to help keep the servers running. The Dragon's Den website also features an Amazon affiliate link. If you click the link and then make a purchase, a small fraction of the sale will go to support the den. It doesn't cost you anything, unlike the dubbed version of Die. We even have a Slime Time t-shirt you can buy by our resident artist, Wayne. See the link for it in the show notes. And as a part of the Slime Time Extended Universe, 
or Stu. You can direct any comments or questions for the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at DQ Slime Time. And you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash eastxtwitch. Come watch me play a variety of games every Saturday, kids. Getting back to Dragon Quest, consider joining in tons of Dragon Quest discussions at the Dragon's Den forums, which are structured a lot like a fancy medieval department store. Find our forums from the Dragon's Den main page or at woodis.com forums. You can also find us and other rabid Dragon Quest fans through the Dragon Questers, Dragon Quest Tact Global, and Infinity Strash Facebook groups. We'd love to see you there. Or come hang out with us and tons of other hardcore Dragon Quest fans on the officially unofficial Dragon's Den Discord server. We'd like to thank everyone that made this episode possible, including Pendy, Woodis, the Dragon's Den, and Leona's old magic bikini, Sha-Wing. And a special thanks to Platy and Vern for helping me out with our rotating podcast logo. Oh, please like, subscribe, and write a review for the podcast in that order. For more Dragon Quest Slime Time, check out our library of episodes on Dragon's Den, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Audible, YouTube, and more. We'll catch you later, everybody. Don't hate. Appreciate. Time to zoom on out of here. This is Gutrude for Slime Time, reminding you all that you must complete your adventure.